0: Welcome to the Disrupt Education podcast. I'm Peter Hostros, the host. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe button and share this out. Let's get the word out about disrupting education. If you get a chance, head over to disrupteducation.co. You can see everything I'm about, uh, connect with me there, read a blog, and this podcast is there as well. That's disrupteducation.co. I'm a proud partner of the Ed Up Experience Podcast Network. That's edupexperience.com. Check out all the podcasts there. It is the leading education podcast network across the world. We're doing some great things. There are so many great people um, in several different areas of education and education reform. That's edupexperience.com. On today's podcast, I've got a great guest. He's saving teacher time and helping students focus not on the technology, but the content. His name's William Minton, and he launched Canopy Ed after spending the 2015-16 school year traveling all over the world and uh, visiting and writing about top-ranked schools across five comp- continents. Uh, he's going to share that experience, which inspired him to think more creatively how to approach the challenges facing education here in the United States and worldwide. Uh, he also has shared these insights on Ed Utopia and a conference around the country. He's going to share his educational path and how Canopy Ed is actually helping as a technology tool, but out of the way for students to clear their runway for more learning in their content in the classrooms. Hang out. We'll be right back after this. Are you an individual or business wanting to create an online course or training program, but are overwhelmed with the e-learning process and don't even know where to start? If so, you don't want to miss this free masterclass called Create and Launch a Successful E-Learning Program, Online Course, or Virtual Training, where you will learn the biggest mistake most people make with e-learning, the number one reason most e-learning programs fail, and the three pillars to create extraordinary value for your learners every time and much more. Get instant access to the free masterclass right now by clicking on the link in the description. All you have to do is sign in and you will get instant access to this free masterclass right now. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses Spike View to share his learning journey.
1: Um, I think it's really cool that you know Spike View is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge, and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think Spike View is different than anything else out there. Uh, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs. And, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there um, and share with other people. And that's, you know, that's really powerful. And that, you know, that professional networking piece, um, you know, to be with other like-minded teenagers, that puts you ahead. That puts you ahead in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, I think anyone who who's SpikeView right now has a leg up in the future. and excited to see you know where those spike view alumni head up
0: head to spikeview.com start your portfolio now for free the disrupt education vlog can be found on youtube to hear it in podcast form search disrupt education on any of the following podcast platforms anchor apple podcast google podcast breaker Castbox, overcast radio public pocket cast spotify or stitcher Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostras, the host. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. You'll get the Disrupt Education Podcast right to you. I've got a wonderful guest today. William Minton is the CEO and founder of Canopy Ed. William, thank you so much for hanging out with us today.
2: All right, thanks, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right, well, let's. Uh, that was a very short introduction. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what are you doing these days?
2: Um, Well, I've worked in education for about 15 years now. Um, I've had the privilege to do a number of different things. And currently, um, as CEO of Canopy, Canopy, we have sort of three main branches to our work. Um, There's a consulting branch, um, a tutoring branch, and then an ed tech software development branch. Um, Around the consulting work, we do a lot of um, work with partners where we help them evolve beyond webinars. Um, So maybe they have a, a... Webinar where they have like static narration on top of PowerPoint slides, and it's an hour long and it's kind of dull. Um, and we help them evolve beyond that by, you know, transforming it into these sort of like shorter, more engaging um, videos, and you know, incorporating better reflection questions throughout. So we do that with a number of partners, um, as, and we've done a range of other work as well. That we did a lot of that last year when people were shifting everything to virtual, so like helping also, yeah helping all sort programs move their you know, whole program virtual um, but we've also like helped cities design early childhood initiatives that have gotten re- national recognition and i've um, done a lot of the, the consulting work over the last um, five years although we're winding that down a little bit to focus on the other branches um, the tutoring branch is is interesting and growing very quickly so um, because of the stimulus funds from last year there's a there's a Really strong theme nationally, from national policy perspective, to focus on sort of small group or, or one-to-one um, intensive tutoring, uh, specifically around early literacy skills. Um, and so we're one of we're the largest provider of those services in the state of Louisiana, um, and that has been really interesting to be kind of on the vanguard, the cutting edge of this new national trend. Um, because there's this feeling that like we have access now, right? Like I don't. There's like tens of millions of Chromebooks that were purchased last year, right? So there's, there's this this access. There's this perception that the access problem um, has, if not been solved, that the, the gap's been closed a lot. Um, but what we're learning as we're as we're part of that is that it's it's a little bit trickier than that, right? Especially whenever you're dealing with um, you know historically resourced communities. Um, and developing like habits around technology. It's been been an interesting learning experience. It's been interesting to be at the front of that. Um, And then the the third branch of software development is where we're focusing more and more of our energy, which is around the development of the the Canopy platform, um, where we are trying to just reimagine the ways that technologies can support educators and it's amazing how novel it is to have ed tech products designed by teachers for teachers. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about what we're building there and what we have in, in
0: the works for it. We're going to jump into that because that's I think there's so much disruption happening and, and you're providing a lot of pain uh, relievers, if you will, uh, for all of those things. Um, Let's go into so you were in you've been in education for 15 years. Um, I always like to ask, you know, educators or people who are in education have their own path of education. Take us back as William as a student. What were you like and and maybe what were some of the pinpoints or pivotal points uh, of your journey that kind of led you to where you are today in
2: my K-12 education? I, I always loved learning. I was always really focused on reading and just like interested in ideas and talking with interesting people and watching documentaries and um and just like really even I'm in high school I just like have these like late night diner conversations with with friends to like sharpen my uh, my discussion and, and debate skills. Um, as far as my actual GPA goes, um, it wasn't at, you know it wasn't straight A's. <laughs> um i um yeah i i did i had i always had this attitude that like what's most important to me to read are the things that i'm interested in reading and those are the things that i'm going to read um so i was you know i was reading you know like philosophy and like you know schrodinger's cat and stuff in in high school but that you know nobody was assigning that to me or testing me on it so it wasn't reflected in um in those grades <laughs> um but um, but I did well enough and did well enough on the standardized assessments and everything to to you know get into get into college and uh, you know get into the honors program at University of Pittsburgh, um, and and again in in college again like I did fine I you know A's and B's but most of the important things I learned were you know self driven passion driven um, I you know got this idea to start a political magazine so you know nonpartisan uh, political review um, and through that relationship with the honors college leveraged it into doing this like research project in central america um, which was really amazing and just really my personal learning journey has been a journey of following passion um, and to being able to um, be comfortable with that to not be like oh like i'm supposed to do like I'm supposed to do this work because it's important because one person's gonna read it and put a grade on it. Um, And I think that that's come through in my larger attitudes towards education as an adult, as a professional um, and how I've really tried to provide opportunities for young people to, to follow their passions.
0: Well, I love that, too, because I think it's also um, you're also providing a lot of opportunities for educators as well to kind of take charge. Right. You, you So let's unpack that a little bit. So you got these three areas of Canopy Ed. Um, let's jump into the pandemic. <laughs> Those early days, like you said, everybody was scrambling and trying to figure things out. Um, what were some of the high points and low points as the pandemic evolved and you have canopy ad and you're you're building this thing
2: when the pandemic hit i was in a school uh, or like when the lockdowns like started, you know sweeping across the country i was in a school working with this program called humanities amp that does really great you know youth voice driven um critical participatory action research cpar work that was great i was like f- i was gonna try to create this um virtual course profile and like how you do CPAR programs we're like filming these students and the announcements came on. They're like, from now on, there will be no visitors allowed in the school. We're like looking around because we're the visitors. Um, And then before we were even out of the school, like an hour and a half, like an hour later, the announcements came back on. We're like, and school will be canceled next week. And and nobody went back, right? So it it was um, that project unfortunately ended up um, not recovering. It's sort of, That footage is where it was that day. Um, But we, as I mentioned earlier, we do a lot of work with um, professional development. We do do a lot of work with virtual professional development. I presented at the National Charter School Conference in 2019 um, about how to use virtual platforms to reimagine professional development. Um, And so because of that, I started getting phone calls from folks who were saying like, we do this stuff in person all the time and now we need to shift to virtual. How do we do that exactly? Um, and those were folks who were automatic, already starting to think. They knew that it could be done better than how they were doing it. They knew that the ninety-minute, you know, PowerPoint narration was not going to, you know, be the type of experience they wanted to create. Um, and so that was really interesting working with um, one alternate program in particular to translate their whole, you um, their whole program virtual. Um, and Then also working with an arts integration program uh, that normally did you know these you know week long intensive institutes with follow ups and we translated all of that um, to virtual, which was really really interesting to me. Like I've always I've been interested in the arts. I used to manage a program, a theater program for youth, um, and that that was really interesting. So as I do more of this work, I get to learn. You know, as I do those projects, I'm doing some work on trauma and um, adverse childhood experiences now, and It's um, it's really interesting. I get to to learn that work as I
0: do it. Yeah, that's and I think the trauma, social, emotional learning, all these humanistic, human centered, has really evolved out of this. Um, Let's unpack that a little bit. Um, You know, you I just today. You know, this will be back when this was recorded and when it goes out. But you posted a little bit of uh, I think it was a little bit of social emotional learning uh, piece. Around English, I believe. Um, unpack some of the cool things that you're kind of taking a look at in, you know, understanding trauma, understanding, um, you know, self-management, self-awareness, all these different areas of the humanistic approach. Um, what kind of other things uh, are you doing around that with Canopy Ed and and educators?
2: Yeah, I mean. It- it's interesting, it, it and it's really important. Um, we're beginning to focus more on like, understanding the humanity of education and the humanity of our children and and um, and teachers as well. Um, and social emotional learning is becoming more and more popular. Um, restorative justice has gotten the, the level of structure where we can begin to scale those practices as long as we can create the time in the day for educators to do them effectively. Um, but it's still in this larger context of cultures of compliance in most districts and most schools. Um, and there's, there's a real friction there, right? Because there is this attitude, this like modus operandi in the education system that, you know, orders are going to come from the top down. They're going to tell you what to do and how to do it. And whenever you have that approach, it's inherently dehumanizing because you're being told what to do and how to do it. And where does your individuality, where does your personal you know, skills and personality come through? Where do you have room to add on to that as like the unique individual you are? Um, and oftentimes the answer is not at all, whether you're a teacher or a student, right? You're being told to like, do these things. And then, and now there's like mindfulness that like, makes some space for mindfulness, but that's not, an opportunity to contribute to the systems or to change the systems. That's just a way to cope with the systems, right? And our, our teachers and students, like shouldn't have to be like aspiring Buddhas just to like, get through the rhythm roll of, the, of their day to day. And so I think that if we really wanna think seriously about those questions, we need to think seriously about student and teacher voice and how we are giving actual real influencing power to students and teachers to shape the expectations. Um, and so that's, you know, it's kind of, you know, running its windmills at the moment, but I do try to um, to do that work where, where I can.
0: Right. I, I like the fact that you're obviously totally understanding of the education world and the, the time boxing and the framing of things and where we have time to do that. I, I love the fact that you actually said that because. You know, in order for all this to work, it sounds to me like what I'm hearing you say, which is awesome in my opinion, is yeah, we need to maybe change up the structure a little bit, and and we don't need to be grasping for the humanistic time. We need to start there and then building out. How uh, are the different ways that Canopy Ed is actually doing that? in the spaces that you can do it in right now. Um, I, th- I feel like I, looking at the platform, I know it's very learner or education centric, but kind of unpack that a little bit of some of, the, some of the cool things that it does to keep it human even in a digital age. Yeah, I mean, technology
2: is, is part of the answer here. It's, it's not the whole answer, but it is, it is a, an important part of the answer because technology at, it, at its most basic allows us to do more with less. Um, And so in the design of Canopy, the the learning platform, that's what we try to do. We try to allow teachers to do more with less and students to do more with less. Um, So just by creating a platform that has an intuitive design um, and and is actually designed for K-12, it's not designed for higher ed circa 20 years ago, and it's not designed for business collaboration with this like K-12 use case. It's actually designed for K-12 educators and it's designed for what they need um, with an emphasis on being intuitive and simple. Um, And because that's where we're coming from, we're able to create a platform that helps teachers save time um, in their planning of lessons, helps them save time in their grading of lessons, helps them save time in how they give feedback, Currently in our design phase right now is what we call the teacher canopy, which is a sub portal within canopy where teachers can with literally two or three clicks share an entire year's worth of resources with another teacher in an instruction ready format. Right? So I just borrow your whole seventh grade history class and it's ready for students to begin using, Um, you know, forget about, forget about copy machines, et cetera. Um, We've had, there's been a lot of innovation in like the virtual course space recently, um, but if you think about like I want resources to use with my own students, I don't want to enroll them in your course. I want resources that I can use with my own students. All we have is teachers pay teachers, and that's great, but it's hardly you know the the cutting edge of what te- technology is capable of. Um, so we're trying to innovate or in, that, in that space. How, do you, how can you share resources with strangers or with people in you know, closed private networks um, in an in instruction-ready format and save all of, all of that time of planning? And then we make grading a lot easier. Um, and then on the student side, you know, if, you, if a student wants to, it's the end of the year now, right? a student wants to review everything they've covered and their teacher's been using Google Classroom. Um, how many tabs would a student have to open to review all of the content that they, you know, encountered over the course of their year in their Google Classroom? How many tabs? I mean, you're there's probably close to 1,000, 180 school days, you know, a form, a doc, a slide deck, you know, um, and it's ridiculous, right? So with Canopy, we really prioritize focus through organization, and we allow teachers to organize all of that content into a single browser tab. Um, So it's literally the difference between a 1,000 tabs for students to look through versus one single tab. Um, And that takes all that mental energy that students are spending. A lot of the burnout from this year has been students burning mental energy trying to navigate the technology itself, not using that mental energy on content. And so by creating the simple intuitive platform for students, um, they don't have to think about the technology at all they can focus all of their energy on the content. Um, even down to things like, even our my developers would give me a hard time about our font size. So like, your fonts are really big. Like, are you sure you want like the standard fonts or this small? Like, well, we only want to be looking at one thing on the screen at a time. And then you scroll down below. We're not trying to, you know, squeeze all this stuff on here. It just creates a very soothing, even our color scheme is designed to be a soothing, comfortable um, experience. So that's, um, your, your question of how are we, we helping here, we're saving teachers time, we're helping students focus um, largely through organization and just creating a, an intuitive platform designed for teaching and learning.
0: So important. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I personally learned from in just having this conversation with a student in the recent past is just that. Like, I'm looking at all these different things out there. I'm confused. By fourth period, a a student just said this to me recently. I don't even know what I'm doing here, right? Um, And to hear somebody uh, like you kind of putting something together, thinking about these things, you know, font sizes and all these, um, that's wonderful. I recently got a book from my parents that was very small text. S- looks really good, and I'm interested in reading it. But I'm going to have to get a magnifying glass for this thing. So, <laughs> this is what happens. And so, how d- how did you really find all these pain points? Um, and you were working on this pre-pandemic as well. So, how did these pain points come about? What 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 were the empathetic kind of lessons that you learned to get to where you are today?
2: Yeah. So, I think the real the real insight is that it's not about looking at individual pain points. It's about looking at teachers' holistic relationship with technology. Um, and so in the in the tech sector, which I've learned a lot about the last 18 months, I did not know much about being a tech founder 18 months ago. Um, but in the in the tech sector, there's this real allegiance to, like, minimum viable products, right? And the minimum viable product, is should be designed around a pain point. And this is just, like, you know, established wisdom in the tech sector. You find a pain point, you build the smallest product you can to address that pain point. You see if anybody cares. And then if they do, then you build up features for a little bit, but then really you go hard on sales and and scale. Um, And that makes a lot of sense. It's really good for innovation. Um, And I think we can learn a lot about innovation from from these practices. Um, But when you look at it, profession like teaching, which is so complicated and there's so many different facets to it, you are going to have all of these different pain points, right? Oh, oh, my pain point is that um, I don't know if my students are paying attention to the video, so I want to be able to put a question in the video. Or my pain point is that my students aren't looking at the same thing I want, so I want to sync the screens together. Or my pain point is that it's all text. So I want audio and video. Or my students can't edit PDFs, so they have to do this other thing to edit PDFs. Or I don't know how to do group work. Like, you end up with all these varied pain points. And if you've been involved in education last year, you probably know, like, everything I named, like, is aligned to an ed tech product. And so you end up with a situation where you st- you have to juggle all of these um, things that started out as minimum viable products. You have to juggle all of these different applications. And while each of them is good at solving their narrow pain point, the accumulation of them creates a new pain point which is having too many browser tabs open, having too many logins, having, you know, applications that don't share data. Um, and then you get new application, like, oh, the only thing we do is single sign-on. So you, like, now we're gonna sell you this thing that's a single sign-on. Um, like we need to be thinking about the relationship between students, educators, and technology in a more holistic way. Um, and so that's where we where we come in and we're trying to create a holistic experience. We don't do everything that I just described yet, but the idea is that we'll eventually build out the the core functionality of each of those things, right? A lot of those things have one core functionality and a bunch of bells and whistles. We're not concerned about the bells and whistles so much, but we we wanna try and have that core functionality as part of the Canopy platform.
0: I gotta tell you, it's refreshing to hear, honestly. So as a secondary educator, You know our students and putting ourselves in our students' um, shoes—that was that is a huge concern. And every single one of those pain points, I'm like, ooh, yeah, uh, you you reminded me of like you know March of last year, which is hilarious. But um, the you know our students are even seeing like even different LMS systems and all these different pieces that come in, and it's no wonder. And I've even. You know, it's interesting is I've even like worked with students uh, on, you know, virtually and they show you their screen to walk through a problem and there's 300 tabs open. It's so it's so refreshing to hear that because uh, I think you're spot on there. Um, what do you think we're going to Where do you think the biggest pivots are going to happen in education here on out pandemic ending or post pandemic? What do you what do you think are some of the big things that you've you're kind of projecting the, to see.
2: That's a that's a good question. Um, I don't have uh, a crystal ball about it. I think that a lot of it is like a challenge to traditional public school systems to be able to adapt more rapidly than they have in the past. Uh, but I think that they really need to rise to to that occasion. Right. I think that those um, the pandemic has shown folks that. Um, it, it kind of it sort of exposed to parents, you know, what's actually happening there. Um, and I think that, yeah, I, more than anything, I think it's a challenge to, to those districts that to really the need to step up. Um, and if they don't, I see, I think that we're going to see an increasingly fragmented um, education system between, you know, micro schools or, you know, like out-school courses and arise and home homeschooling and, you know, special like niche charter schools, um, I think you're going to see this fragmentation that is going to also have the effect of taking resources away from the public school system, which is where they are actually needed if we're going to actually care about equity and equality of opportunity and like the long-term health of, health of the country. Um, so, yeah, that, that, for me, that's the big question of, like, will established systems be able to adapt and innovate um, in a way so that they can actually offer attractive options of choice um, to, to anybody who's any families that are looking to um, create really great experiences for their
0: children? I wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to where can people find you? where can people connect and learn more about the product, the services that uh, Canopy uh, Ed does? Um, How can people connect with you personally? Cause I know we're going to have a a lot of listeners that are going to be interested.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, we're very new right now. Um, So I say that to mention the fact that everything is free, first of all. Um, And so if you would like to just like log into Canopy and use it to create a course, Uh, you can go to canopyed.com, it's canopyed.com and create a teacher account and start building content and and sharing it with folks. Um, If you want to learn a little bit more sort of big picture, you can go to canopyeducation.com, which is our our landing page That's a little bit more description about what we're up to. Canopyed.com is just like a login to create those courses. and if you want to learn a little bit more about me and my background and, and follow the you know the ideas that are you know, like driving Canopy, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Um, William Minton, um, yeah, please find follow me there. If you have a, a reason to reach out to connect, please reach out to connect. Um, I always love uh, talking to people through LinkedIn.
0: You know, what you're doing with Canopy Ed is, is amazing. Um, you're, you, there are so many pain points in education and, and your clarity in that is is wonderful. Um, listeners, you want to take a take a look at uh, CanopyEd.com or CanopyEducation.com. Uh, and William, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Disrupt Education.
2: All right, thank you, Peter. It's been a real pleasure.
0: And don't forget to subscribe, everybody. And thank you again so much for listening on Disrupt Education. We'll catch you next time.